Good morning. I'm Deacon Faye Patterson with our Sunday School lesson for today. Would you please join me in a word of prayer? Gracious Lord, we thank you for this new day that you have given us. Thank you for all of the blessings that you have sent our way. Lord, we invite your Holy Spirit into this class today that you would speak to and through me and that someone will go away with uh, applications for daily living. We thank you for this opportunity and we pray for our church that you would continue to stand by us and to heal and deliver those who are sick and bereaved. We ask these prayers in the name of Jesus. Amen. So our lesson today is Stand Firm. It comes from Philippians chapter 3 verses 12 through 16 and uh, I will start with our aim for change. Our aim for change is that by the end of the lesson, we will become familiar with what Paul says about living as it relates to eternity with Christ Jesus, appreciate that the journey of Christian living and a quest for something eternal are demanding experiences and pledge to stand firm in Jesus Christ. Just a little background before we get into the lesson. We've been talking about Philippians uh, or studying Philippians for the last uh, few Sundays in this unit. Although the book is a joyous letter, Paul did have some stern remarks for the Philippian church. As we discussed in last week's lesson, Paul warned the church to stay away from quarrelsome, evil workers with pretentious spirits behind their religion. He was speaking of the Pharisees as well as any Christians who might uh, think that they had already reached perfection. He exhorted them to always rejoice in the Lord. And we see that in chapters 3, verse 1 and 4, verse 4. Paul explained that true righteousness and confidence came from his faith in Jesus Christ versus through the law and circumcision done by human hands. Paul had such a personal relationship with Jesus. His only desire was to know Jesus even more and to attain, like Christ, the power of the resurrection now and in death when Christ returns. Paul knew this meant also suffering for Christ in this life, and that was found in verses 10 and 11. Resurrection power is available now, according to uh, Spurgeon, a theologian. It's evidencing power because Jesus is truth. It's justifying power because our sin debts were paid in full on the cross. It's life-giving power because of eternal uh, resurrection life and his consoling and comforting power because we know that our loved ones who know Jesus will be saved. So Paul encouraged the Philippians to work out their soul's salvation by becoming spiritually mature in faith, not by doing works. That was back in chapter 2 verses 12 and 13. Yet he longed for his salvation to be completed through the transformation of his life and the eventual resurrection of his body. He was not being morbid, but he understood that salvation could not be completed until after death. He perceived suffering for Christ and death as means of getting to his goal of transformation and resurrection power now and in the future. So as we get ready for the lesson today, I want to go back and review chapter 3 verses 10 and 11 in order to understand verse 12. It says, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. 
So uh, the first section is pressing toward the goal, and it comes from Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14, and I'll be reading from the New Living, New Living Translation. I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. So as we look at this, we know that Paul had not attained perfection and he, has, he does not claim to have achieved perfection. He may have mentioned this because of his past and being a legalist and a zealot for the law. He thought that he could achieve perfection by obeying the laws and he realized that it was only through Christ Jesus that uh, he could put his confidence in Jesus and not in himself. Many of the Philippians also believed that they had achieved perfection, and we know that the Pharisees thought so. So Paul had to let them know that that was not so. Only Christ could perfect them in death. Paul knew that he had spiritual maturity and purity, but he knew that he wasn't perfect and he didn't claim to be. The Holy Spirit works to mature us each day as long as we live. What Jesus wanted was not for his own purpose, Paul said. He said that Jesus had laid hold of him for a purpose and witness and an instrument in conversion of others, and also in Romans 6, 4, to make him a new man. We know that Philippi is in Greece and that uh, they had the Olympic Games there. So it's only natural that Paul would start running a, using the race or running a race as a, a metaphor to explain these verses. So why does he stress forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead? Well, he knew that many of the Philippians uh, were looking back on their achievements and uh, he knew that the dangers of legalism and the false sense of self-righteousness uh, because he had experienced this himself as Saul. So he emphasized that resurrection was not only uh, was was not the only goal ahead. Even the objectives that may be achieved in this life may still lie ahead, but Paul was still running the race. He knew that he could not slow his pace because to do so would be like a runner stopping and he would be short of the finish line. So we see many athletes as well as uh, high achievers or politicians who can rely on their past and they stop running the race and uh, they fail to, to do what's available for them in the future. So they don't get that office again, or they don't win that prize. So Paul knew that his confidence was only in Jesus. He knew that the race wasn't over until he died and went to be with the Lord. He still had souls to save and to make disciples while on earth. It was a high calling because God did it and the legalists did it in the flesh, but the high calling is only in Christ Jesus. So when you look back over your life, there may be things that you wish you had done or had not done. And we know that Paul certainly had some things in his past. Uh, he knew that he had persecuted the church and many Christians had suffered because of him, but he repented of that and he was forgiven. So he spent every day trying to bring souls to Christ. The same thing can happen to Christians who look back. They're going to run into something or be thrown off track. 
Satan loves to throw up in your face what you did or what you have not done. And uh, he wants to get a toehold in your life. So that's why it's important to keep our focus on Jesus and the race that is before us. When Christ comes into our lives, it's a new beginning of the race. It's not the end. Ending the race is a lifelong process as well as a lifetime achievement. We can't uh, separate things uh, that we did in the, in the past. We can't focus on things that we did in the past. Looking back will keep us from what God has for us in the future. So we, we, can, we must live in the present until the race is won. Uh, we can't give up except when Christ calls us. So what is the heavenly prize at the end of the race? Well, Paul is reaching for the prize of sitting with Jesus at the right hand of God. It's a high calling, again, because God it came from God. Paul says that Christ apprehended or possessed him or laid hold of him for a purpose. He was to witness in Acts 9.15 and instruct conversion of others in Romans 6.4 and to make him a new man. Paul wanted to see the converting work of Christ carried out in himself. He wanted to see Jesus's nature within himself. And we find that in Romans 8.29. Likewise, Paul would lay hold of the experience of Jesus and he would testify of that experience to bring others to Christ. Jesus laid hold of Paul to bring him into suffering. We see that in Acts 9.16. Paul wanted to know Jesus in the fellowship of his suffering and attain resurrection from the dead. In other words, he wanted to suffer uh, as a part of Christ because Christ has suffered and to lay hold of the heavenly hope. Runners do not look back. Looking back at those things behind not only distracts us, but and they could have distracted Paul, but he pressed on for the prize. So looking back can keep us from what God has for us in the future. The prize to Christians is the calling itself and is being able to run the race uh, and to do the work that God had, has called us to in his kingdom. So we should live in the present and the race is in the here and now, not in the past or in the future. We have to remember that it's here and now. So as we conclude this discussion of verses 12 through 14, we must remember that Paul gave up his past and his achievements for Christ. We must also give up our past our past victories, our past regrets, hurts, and defeats. Paul said his past achievements and status were dung or garbage. We can learn from the past, but not live in the past. God can heal those old wounds. We just have to seek forgiveness and forgive others and ourselves. Paul pressed on for the prize of the high calling of Christ. That prize is multifaceted. Meyer says the prize is a high calling because it comes from God. It's worthy of God above all the ideals of man. It summons us to where Christ sits at God's right hand. It is the upward call which is worth reaching for. Legalists did this in their flesh. They did works. The prize is, the on, is only achieved through Christ Jesus. The prize is the will of God right now, tomorrow, and forever. And that comes from Myers. We have to ask if we are doing what Christ has called us to do, and are we doing the things that he told us not to do? 
Part two of our lesson, Putting Commitment to the Goal into Practice, comes from Philippians chapter 3, verses 15 through 16, and we're still reading from the New Living Translation. Let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. If you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. We must hold on to the progress we have already made. So Paul gave the church both assurances and exhortations in these last two verses. Paul wanted the spiritually mature to have his mindset. He knew that God would explain any differences that they may have among themselves as long as they followed his mindset, which is Christ's example. They could trust the Holy Spirit to reveal to them how God would have them solve their problems. Paul knew he was not the change agent, but God was. Paul exhorted them with a call to unity in the church to guard against the divisions brought on by the legalists. There was pressure from outsiders, we saw that in Philippians 1, 27 through 30, and from inside, Philippians 3, 2. Paul wanted them to come together and not be divided as a church. They were to solve their differences according to Christian principles rather than fighting among themselves. According to Matthew Henry's commentary in the blueletterbible.org, the main focus in Philippians 3 is to be found in Christ, a righteousness that is not based on law, but faith in Christ. And we see that in chapter 3, verse 9. Paul desired to know Christ in the power of his resurrection, to share in his suffering, and become like him in death. We see that in verse 10. Paul had spiritual maturity and purity, but he knew that he was not perfect and he didn't claim to be. As children of God, we are perfect in all of our parts because God made us, but we are not perfect in our development and maturity as Christians. The Holy Spirit works with each of us daily as long as we live. As children can't wait to be bigger and finally become adults, they're so eager to grow and, and to be on their own, Paul had that same kind of eagerness to experience his completed salvation and to be with Christ. He had to move forward in Christ. He could not turn back. So this brings us to the end of our lesson and just a few thoughts to take with you. Like the Philippians, we must develop mature Christian behaviors. The evidence of maturity in the church is being willing to admit our shortcomings, being open to correction, and demonstrating in our daily lives that we have been recreated in Christ Jesus. Paul did not want the church to forget the goal for which they and we are working, nor to believe that they and we could have already achieved perfection or complete spiritual maturity. Reflect on these things as you think about the lesson this week. Our closing benediction is from 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11. Dear brothers and sisters, I close my letter with these words. Be joyful, grow to maturity, encourage each other, live in harmony and peace. Then the God of love and peace will be with you. So thank you for attending Sunday School. We pray that you will have a blessed week.